my name is Andrea. I have a new life in Christ. I'm in recovery for lack of trust in God, gluttony, and people-pleasing, manifesting in fear of man, anxiety, anger, and defensiveness. Hi. <laughs> Let us pray. <laughs> Let's pray. Well, Jesus, thank you so much for, um, man, all the stuff that's happened um, to this point. You are amazing. And... Um, I just more than anything want that known tonight, Lord, that you do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Lord, your, your death on the cross for us um, secured our freedom and our life, and we're just eternally grateful. We remember that tonight, Lord, that it's by your stripes that we're healed. I pray your word would go out. I pray for the people here that, um, that you would just be seen in this story. In your name, amen. Everyone has a story. This is mine. I was born in Washington, D.C. into the Mason family. I joined my two-year-old sister, and two and a half years later, our brother came, completing us. My parents met at college students in Corvallis, Oregon. Go Beeps! And fell in love. Neither was raised knowing Jesus, and before we came along, they agreed to raise their kids with no faith tradition. Although our family's patterns did not include biblical foundation, my parents did the best for what they knew, and I have no doubt we were deeply loved. My childhood was pretty typical for the 70s. My dad worked, my mom stayed home with us. We adventured together, and they raised us to know right from wrong. In temperament and personality, the Mason kids could not be more different. My hallmark traits are passionate compassion, impatience, and encouragement. I love people and am wired for connection. This left me a little bit on the fringe in a family where opinion and competition was not lacking. Harsh teasing cut deep, and emotions were stuffed to avoid as being seen as weak. The concepts of valid but differing viewpoints and conflict resolution were not really part of our family's patterns, and my sincere but irritating efforts to be heard were silenced by ridicule for their offensive whining. You're too emotional, and don't be so sensitive. Shut me down, and gave me no direction about how to positively process deep emotion or communicate reasonable need. I felt unknown and invisible. I idolized certain relationships, cultivating desperate neediness for connection with people who were unavailable and a resistance to being controlled. It was unhealthy and left me with little ability to navigate relationship. In our home, Christianity was mocked. God was the butt of the joke, Jesus was yelled at in moments of aspiration, and religion was for weak people who needed a crutch. These opinions became mine too, and I thought nothing of questioning that narrative. When I was 12, my parents separated, and we shared time between homes. Overwhelmed and with few coping skills, I honed my patterns of sin, a surly, defensive attitude, selfishness, and jealousy. I struggled with depression, and my go-to pain reliever became gluttony. I packed on 70 pounds of grief. Honestly, I was kind of a hot mess. I felt like an embarrassment to everyone, but I had no idea how to change. Proverbs 25:28 says, Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. At 16, I joined the volunteer fire department. I thrived on the discipline and camaraderie of the emergency environment, but collected the human stories of tragedy in my heart, complicating my depression. 
I first heard the gospel at 17 from visitors of a church my sister had attended. My response was to very directly let them know I had zero interest in religion. A couple of years later, I met Jesus in the Sign of the Fish bookstore in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. I happened upon the store while aimlessly browsing downtown. Cautiously curious, I opened the door and bells sounded blowing my covert entrance. I felt like a total imposter, but the woman at the counter smiled and warmly welcomed me, throwing me totally off guard with her kindness. I blinked, stared, mumbled thanks, and quickly made my way back to the card aisle to hide. I stood there trying to process her hospitality before praying for the first time in my life. God, if you're real, I want to know what that just was. In the space of inspiration, the loving, the real, reality of a loving, real God was very clearly made known in my heart as the gospel seed planted two years before broke soil. Jesus is real, and he died on the cross in my place to pay the wages of sin I owe. I knew what I was. I did not deserve grace, but he offers it because he is good. He loves and he wants relationship and connection with his kids. I returned home profoundly changed, but with little idea what to do next. I found the shelf Bible I had received for high school graduation and began to read the most depressing psalms I could find, especially Psalm 13. How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take sorrow in my soul, counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? Amidst neon-yellowed pages, I found solace as the psalmist reassured me I was not the only one who felt this way. At 22, I moved from Virginia to Oregon, craving adventure and crispy around the edges from collected tragedies. I worked on an ambulance until full-blown burnout and depression took me to the end of myself and the edge of my life. One afternoon, at the summit of Bald Peak, I surrendered to Jesus. I asked him to take my life so that I would not and use it however he thought best. From that day forward, Jesus made it very clear it was not my life to take. You are not your own, you're bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. 1 Corinthians 6:20. I am deeply grateful that he saw one lost, hopeless, broken heart reach down and loved me right where I was, but loved me too much to leave me there. Slowly, patiently, he began untangling the mangled mess of graceless human I was and fashioning in me into who he made me to be. It will continue until my homecoming. I found a Bible teaching church and started to lay a solid foundation of faith. In the process, I discovered scripture read aloud and memorized greatly eased my depression. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 105. For God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1, 7. As my faith grew, I pursued my nursing degree. After graduation, I lived in Mexico briefly before working in the next night for the next 19 years as an RN, mostly in trauma and cardiovascular ICU. In those trenches, I witnessed the tragedy and the brevity of this vaporous life. It filled me with a sense of urgency to gather in the precious moments and seek adventurous, fun faith in Jesus.
I got to do some pretty incredible stuff and watched as in the hands of Jesus, my compassion was transformed from liability to gift and hope and encouragement unwrapped grave clothes. In August 2006, the Lord prompted me to lay down my patterns of gluttony and trust him with his temple. My guiding verses for this were Colossians 2, 20 through 23 and Psalm 81, 10. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. In the process, I discover sugar feeds my anxiety and depression and that intense physical activity relieves it. It took time, but I finally lost that 70 pounds from my childhood. It's still a daily journey with struggle, but I'm not quitting. The year I turned 40, I set a goal to climb the highest mountain in Oregon. It was the only thing big enough to represent the complex space of grief and relief in my heart from unrealized hopes and questions about marriage and children. I knew now. Setting my eyes on the hills, I attended a basic mountaineering course and learned how to climb high, one step at a time. Through a ragtag bunch of mountain-worshipping heathens, said with full fond affection, Jesus showed me what belonging in a healthy community looked like. We trusted each other, carrying one another's packs, ropes, anchors, and burdens. On May 30th, 2008, after climbing all night, the shadow of the mountain was cast on the slope below us by morning's first sunlight as we summited Mount Hood. Then, to my surprise, I kept on climbing. A year later, Jesus again showed himself sovereign. One August afternoon, one August evening, <laughs> I met a man at a church prayer meeting. Several months later, we went to a Toby Mac concert together, and several months after that, with the Lord's leading and our families present, we married. From that union, Mom and I were welcomed into the Greater Rush family, and I was gifted a husband and two kids. My husband is the kindest man I've ever met. He loves Jesus, is faithful, patient, level-headed, and filled with integrity. I love him immensely, and he loves me well. My sweet daughter friend, is a dynamic, devoted follower of Jesus and gifted leader. My son, E, for equivalent, is a beautiful human. He is kind, patient, loving, and learning life. I am incredibly blessed. Mom was a wise woman. Her advice when I first shared about Rod was, don't run. Sweet Mom went home to be with Jesus in December 2012. The woman who gave me life is healed and whole. I miss her daily. Over time, Rod and I settled in. We walked with Jesus, but grew restless. Watermark was on our radar through our daughter's transformation story. We began to pray, Lord, help us follow you no matter what the cost. Long story short, in April 2016, we stepped out of the boat. Initially excited, I realized too late I had vastly underestimated my attachment to the mountains and vastly overestimated my ability to flex. Arriving in our new state, a Texas-sized battle to maintain any semblance of faith ensued. I became so angry at God, I couldn't even say the word adventure. I no longer had the outside to manage my edges, and inside I felt like a caged animal wanting to bolt. The enemy filled my thoughts with lies. The mountains were taken from you. You deserve happiness. In the midst of all the noise, God spoke truth. I'm not trying to rip you off. I want to set you free. I walked into Regen, Plano in May 2017. Although trying to move forward, persistent homesickness was feeding consistent apathy and simmering bitterness. I needed a place where I could be real, raw, and honest. I didn't even know if I should be at Regen. I just didn't know where else to go. Each night I came, I walked away feeling better enough. In my fourth week, I committed to completion. 
For me, each step brought growth. Steps one through three, although I came to Dallas as an act of faith, I had to admit that I did not trust him. I had a decision to make. Would I follow the one who required me to lay down the mountains in pursuit of him, even if I didn't understand? I clung to Job 13, 15 as I prayed for peace that passed understanding. Though he slay me, yet will I follow. Step four, inventory helped me pinpoint my sin patterns and understand many of their origins came from distortion of valid need and desire ultimately found in relationship with Jesus. Connection, regard, dignity, value, relationship. Steps five and six, confession and repentance. From these steps, freedom and release came. For the first time ever, I realized Jesus wanted more for me than functionally broken. He wants to heal and make us whole with himself. Step seven is my life school. We humbly ask God's spirit to change our hearts and minds in order to follow Christ fully. More than anything, I long to be who he made me to be. Step eight, forgiveness. In choosing to forgive others for the harm their sin caused, I'm set free from bitterness, anger, and pain, making me nobody's victim. Step nine, amends, help me fully acknowledge and own my sin and the significant harm it caused and causes others. I have made amends with my family. The consequence of this action unexpectedly reframed my story, bringing clarity, insight, and answers to questions I've had for years. I am so free. Moving forward, God has drawn the circle around me. When I fail, I am to fully own 100% of what's mine, my sin, my patterns, and my wounds, leaving lie what is not. During step 10, continue, the Lord revealed my survival pride. My 26 years, for 26 years, I'd been running from me, pushing through extremes in part to prove to myself I was not weak. Jesus showed me emotion is not weak, it's human. What I do with it is the, is the guts of where my faith lie. He makes me brave and strong in him. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Step 11, intimacy. Jesus showed me he loved me before I knew him. And to treat that girl with compassionate respect because she was made in his image with dignity, worth, and value. Step 12, continue. In these recent months, I've seen the importance of empathy as a maturing Jesus follower. He's challenged me to consider how I see others in light of how he loves them. I am to lay down my defensiveness, biased filters and opinions, accept and celebrate who they are, and pray for them. When I do this, I get to spend time with him on their behalf as he parlays it all into faith for their benefit, my growth, and his glory. The enemy's plan is simple. If he can influence us to focus on self more, our pain, confusion, anxiety, and judgment of others, then our availability to be selflessly used by the Lord is diminished. God desires we grow closer to him and each other, even in the midst of uncomfortable conflict. To do this, we must submit to and obey him. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. Philippians 2.4 our family dynamics have changed little, but Jesus is using them to bring about change in me. It's not been easy. In fact, it's been messy. But I love them much differently now with Jesus between us. My fervent prayer is for reconciliation. My hope is squarely in Jesus, and I am only to be about my Father's business. He alone defines me.
I do not have to be filled with pain, anxiety, insecurity, or exceptional need anymore. I know now I am not invisible. He is Elroy, the God who sees. He hears me. As I surrender to him, he will help me set healthy boundaries in a way that I'm both open to his leading and protected from harm. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 5. I miss the mountains every day, but if I'd stayed, I would have stayed stuck. I needed what he had for me here. I still struggle with a skewed sense of belonging at times, but he's moving me towards healthy connection. Rod and I have been placed in community with brothers and sisters who are committed to walking with Jesus, desiring to grow in faith, love, pray, biblically counsel, and support each other. I also love serving with Watermark Urgent Care Community. I've never worked with such talented leaders and volunteers. I get to meet amazing people from all around the world every shift. We care for them as if they are the body of Jesus himself and get to share the good news of salvation. It's truly a privilege. If you're new to Regen, you are welcome. You are seen, you are loved. You're in the best right place. Don't run. God is our perfect Father who patiently accepts you, offering forgiveness paid for sins by his body and blood. He lives. He desires to know and be known by you and has good plans for you. There is nobody on this earth who cannot be transformed by the gift of grace. The pressure is off. We don't have to prove ourselves or be good enough. The Father runs down the road to meet us. He will never tell us we are too much. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. If you don't yet know him, come and see. The magnitude of the work he is doing in my life now is as big as the first days after my salvation. Jesus is my rescuer. It's humbling to be loved so much. My prayer on the hill that day is still my heart's cry. Use my life however you think best. I didn't start early, but I have no doubt we'll end well. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors in him who loved us. Romans 8, 37. My name is Andrea. I have a new life in Christ. I am being healed from people-pleasing, gluttony, and lack of trust in God. To God be the glory, great things he has done.